Let's get into the message today, and I've really been so excited about this series, and I'm glad we did it, and it's called The Foundations for God's Order in the Church. Not a typical fear of visitor. This really isn't a typical uh, series that we preach, but we're doing it in light of the fact that we are bringing uh, along a new revised Constitution bylaws. So I thought it'd be good to go over. The thing, a, a lot of these things have been in the Constitution all along, but we never talk about them. They're the, they're the foundation of what we believe. And so I want to just read to you, uh, today is why church membership matters. So today I'm going to read to you just a, a, a couple of um, bylaws regarding church membership. Bethany Community Church Partners are those individuals who agree to support the BCC vision and who attend regularly. Partners may volunteer to serve under a member, leader in non-teaching and non-director roles. Partners who are serve, serve are expected to be harmonious and are subject to the lifestyle standards of the church as delineated in the Constitution and policy agreements. Formal committal and renewal of BCC partner status will occur annually. BCC member description and qualification. Membership at Bethany Community Church is a commitment to a high level of moral, spiritual, and relational accountability. Membership shall be made available to those who desire deep and long-term commitment to the mission, vision, and ongoing growth of the church. Membership is for those who are committed to actively be actively involved in the ministries of the church and are available to serve the purpose and vision of the BCC ministry wholeheartedly. So, let's get into the scripture. Matt, I'm going to give you three Scriptures this morning, first starting in Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah as one of the prophets, or one of the prophets. What about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Very important. The important concept here that, that the thing that Jesus came to build was the church. I'm going to say a little bit more about that later. Genesis chapter 26. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, Jacob was the uh, uh, son of Abraham, and, um, or the son of Isaac. And, uh, uh, and uh, Abraham, uh, he, uh, Jacob, rather, is running from his older brother here uh, because he's stolen his uh, right to the family heir, to be the family heir and the, the family spiritual leader. He stole that from him. So he's running from his brother, and he finds himself in this place that later we would call Bethel. Uh, Bethel's a very important place. There's uh, only one other place in the Old Testament mentioned more than Bethel, and that's Jerusalem. And we're going to see in a minute what Bethel meant. So uh, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. Now, why did he say that? He said that because if we went back and read the whole text, uh, he had a vision of a ladder coming down from heaven and angels going back and forth on that ladder. And so he says, woke from his sleep, he said, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? There is none, this is none other, this is important, circle this please in your mind. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. 
So he's starting, we're starting to see a definition of a place where God meets with his people, right? And so that's why Bethel is the second most mentioned place in the Old Testament. It, was the, it meant the house of God. Now we go over to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Although I hope to come to you uh, soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God and the foundation of the truth. So we're talking about the church, the big C church, and the little C, which is the local church. They, the, uh, one, one illustration of the church would be an embassy. Uh, in any country where America is recognized, and of course we're thinking a lot about that this morning as we have the global conflict in Ukraine. In any country where America is recognized, we have an embassy. And a, an embassy is a little piece of territory that is sovereign uh, and, and it is ruled by uh, the laws of the United States of America. Uh, it, is, it is in another country, but it's not from another country. It's in another country, but it, doesn't, it represents not the country it's in, but it represents the country that it's from. And if you get in trouble in a foreign country, and as an American, you're going to want to try to get to the embassy. Because if you, can cry, if you can get inside the embassy and inside the gates of the embassy, you will be protected by the laws of the United States of America. You will be under the domain of the United States of America. So the values, laws, everything we believe as Americans is, 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 is contained in the embassy. So, so God has, throughout history, put embassies all around the world and the church is God's embassy in the world that we are we're in the world but we're not from the world we don't represent the values of the world we represent the values of the kingdom of heaven we represent the values of the kingdom of God that's why we have to live differently we have to be different and we have to maintain our our our, our difference because our difference is what makes us what makes us uh, uh, what makes us matter what makes us matter is our differences and uh, we don't have to be disagreeable people to be different. We, we don't have to be difficult people to be different. But we have to be different to, to have any impact on the world. So the church is, is the, 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 the embassy of heaven, the embassy of God in the earth. Uh, another way of looking at the church is given to us by uh, Tim Mackey and the guys at the Bible Project. And he talks about... Uh, God's initial intent was to have a personal relationship with us, a partnership with us. And many people, I think, misunderstand this because they see God as just merely sovereign who, who manipulates everything that happens in the world. But that's not exactly how it is. God put man in the Garden of Eden and he gave them dominion over the earth. He said, the earth is yours to run. Now, his intention was was that that would be in partnership with him. You see in the book of Genesis, it talks about God coming down and walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Him walking with Adam in the cool of the day. So you get this picture that Adam and Eve are running the world. They've been given the world. And God would come down and walk with them. And you can just imagine that he, they, he probably talked to them about the decisions they were making. He gave them, he gave them uh, all, the, all the land to till and to grow crops. 
And, and he probably, they probably talked about the different seeds that were coming up. And they probably asked God, well, what is that? And he would say, this is, here's what that is, and here's how you make that grow. And then God told them to name all the animals, and they probably talked about that. They probably talked about, you know, we're just really, we, we see this hairy thing that swings from trees. And, and God, we don't know what to call it, you know. It's just, what, what do you think? And God said, well, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let you call it whatever you want to call it, because I gave that job to you. So God, so God always w- wanted to partner with us. In fact, there's this little scripture in the New Testament where it says that, that the disciple, now this is a great verse. I love this verse. This verse in the New Testament says, the disciples went, God working with them. Isn't that interesting? It didn't say God went doing everything he does. It said the disciples went, God working. So God's intention from the beginning is that we would be in a partnership with him. So that's how he set up the world. But you know what we did. We're, we're idiots. We thought, who needs, who needs someone who could create a garden and create a world and Create a sun and a moon and stars and water and, and a whole uh, environmental system. Who needs that guy? You know, who needs that guy? Who needs the one who's been existing eternally? Uh, who needs the one who, needs the one who, who, who runs the universe? Who needs the one who created heaven? Who needs the one who's surrounded by an army of angels? Who needs him? Just, babe, me and you, we got this. Me and you against the world. Me and you, babe. We got this. That's what Adam and Eve said. And so they broke this partnership with God. And the chaos that we live in today is the result of that. Because God will not come back on his promises even when his promises don't work out. You and me, we're kind of slippery. You know, if something doesn't work out, we want to divorce. You know, we want to get out of it. If we, but God doesn't do that. In fact, in fact, there's another great little verse that I love in the Old Testament. It says, God is married to the backslider. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. And some of you wouldn't be here today if God didn't love you when you were backslidden. And some of you are here today and you're backslidden. And we're glad to have you. I want you to know that. We're really happy you're here because you need to be here. Uh, God's, so here's what God did. God in his wisdom, he had, he had a choice to nuke the whole mess or to, re, to rebuild us from the inside. So God began to form partnerships. In fact, the, the Old Testament, there's four, co- four covenants that God made in the Old Testament. The first one was with Abraham. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The first one was Noah. The second one was with Abraham. The third one was Israel. The fourth was King David. And in every case, it was this smaller partnership with this smaller group is going to be the advertisement and the connection so the whole world will partner. I'm going to raise, I'm going to raise Israel up so the whole world can know there's a God in heaven. I'm, I'm, going, to raise up King, I'm going to raise up Abraham. I'm going to raise up King David. I'm I'm going to raise up Noah so he can warn everybody about the judgment that's coming on the world. I'm I'm going to always use the small group, the Noah's eight people, the small nation of Israel. The small group's going to inform the rest. And uh, but but there was nothing permanent because Noah was flawed. I mean, he barely got in the new world till he was he was drunk as a skunk. He was flawed. Israel was flawed, Abraham was flawed, King David was flawed. 
No worries. God sent Jesus. And he was unblemished and unflawed. And he became God's perfect partner. The God-man. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the Son of God. So God became the partner. Jesus became the partner who was perfect. And guess what Jesus did? He created the church. He created this small thing called the church to be the good news bearers to the whole world and invite the whole world into a partnership with God. Did you like that? Does that, that work for you? Don't be intimidated by seeming, our seeming insignificance in the world. First Peter 1 Peter 1.12 says that there are certain things we know that the angels desire to look into. Everybody say this, we're special. Say that, we're special. We are. Number one, church membership matters because the church is heaven's headquarters in the earth. Remember Matthew 16, 18 taught that Jesus came to earth and built the church on the great confession that Christ is the ultimate. That's Peter's confession that we read about a moment ago in Matthew 16. That he, he confessed that Christ was the ultimate in beauty, in virtue, in authority. Jesus could have done, Jesus could have, could have, could have made his partnership with, uh, with a nation again. He could have made his partnership with commerce and industry. He could have made his partnership with a specific personality. He could have made his, pers his partnership with some political ideology. Jesus could have made his partnership with any group that he wanted to. Jesus could have tried to make his partnership with the guys down at the synagogue, but Jesus chose to make his partnership with those who would become members of his church. Then you go back to Genesis 26, 18, and you, and you realize Jacob discovered a place. So, so I'm going from Matthew 16 to Genesis 26, and, 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 and there you realize that Jacob discovered a place where there was a ladder going from earth to heaven and, and the angels that were descending back and forth on that ladder. And, and if you go to John chapter 1, verse 51, you will see that, that, that Jesus was Jacob's ladder. You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending. He said, on the Son of Man, God calls this intersection where heaven meets earth, the house of God. Some of you are ahead of me. You know where I'm going. So you had to qualify to go to Jerusalem and the temple, but anyone could go to Bethel. Do you hear me? Anyone could go to Bethel. Jesus would later say, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Right now, folks, what makes this meeting special is that Jesus is in our midst. Right now. That's what makes this special because the ladder from heaven and earth is, is here among God's people, the church. In the house, and what happens in the house of God? Well, I, I want to say, I want to suggest to you that three things happen in the house of God. In the house of God, we receive correction. You know, it's like uh, if, 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 if somebody, this happens a lot here, people drive around the parking lot, and somebody's getting ready to drive out that way, and they look confused, and I walk over to them and say, can I help you? No, I say, get off my property. That's what I actually say. <laughs> no, no. I say, can I help you? 
and their car's pointed that way. And they say, well, we were trying to go to Southwick Animal Farm. I'm going to say, well, you're not going to get there that way. You need to go this way. I, I give them correct. That's what you come to church for. That's what you meet with God's people for. Your life is going one direction. Your marriage is going one direction. Your, your career is going one direction. Your morals are going one direction. And the job of the church is to say, correct, reroute. <laughs> We're the Siri in your life. You know that? Another thing that you get at church is direction. You know, I, I might have somebody who's perfectly pointed the right direction in their car. Their car's pointed that way. And, 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 and they roll down the windows. They see me getting out of my car. And they say, sir, do you know how to get... They don't... Everybody calls me sir, right? <laughs> is that, sir, master. <laughs> I said, that's pastor, not master. And uh, do you know... Can you give me direction? Yes, Take a left on Hartford Ave, then a left on Route 16, and a left on Chestnut Street. Go down and look for the great big sign, Southwick Animal Farm, and you will be there. Uh, another thing you receive, so you receive correction, you receive direction, you receive inspiration. You know, I, I, might, be, I, I might be down at, uh, uh, I might be down at uh, Muffin House, Menden, and have that same conversation. Somebody rolls down the window, and they want to know, hey, you're going the right way. Keep going. That's inspiration. Well, you get that. You should get that when you come to church. You should get that when you hang out with God's people. Sometimes you should just get told, hey, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're doing great. We are God's family, and every family needs a house. All of those benefits happen to us when we gather as the church of Jesus Christ. All those benefits I just mentioned, the more faithful you are, the more you benefit. There's something incredibly powerful about being the community of Jesus. There's something incredibly powerful about that. And I am so proud of all of you, by the way. I really am. If you're a visitor today, let me tell you something. This is a good church. This is a good church. We have, we have gone through, as everyone, everybody has gone through, the most two of the most, two and a half of the most difficult years that we could have imagined and we had so many opportunities to get divided and get at each other's throat, you know, uh, politically, uh, the things to do with the pandemic, uh, uh, socially, ra uh, 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 racism and anti-racism. We had so many opportunities to get crossways and divided, and we didn't. And you should give yourself a big hand for that. And we don't all agree, by the way. We don't all agree on those issues, but who cares? We drink from the common cup of Christ. We drink from the... That's what matters, right? And we, we have shown the world how to do it. <laughs> Church membership matters because you were created to belong to God's family. Do you remember as a teenager some of the crazy things you did to belong some of those things, you ended up in the emergency room. You know, uh, teenage males' trip to the emergency rooms usually begins with, hey, watch this. <laughs> We've done some crazy things. You may have even done some things you're really ashamed of in order to fit in. Some things that resulted in many years of difficulty 
addiction, all kinds of things. And I'm being totally serious there. But we may complain about what we call identity politics and the uh, group identity ideologies that have become toxic today. We may complain about that, uh, and, and they are a problem. But the reason that group identity is a thing is because we crave it. And we not only crave it, we require it to function. My brother and I were in a Perkins pancake house one time, and we were sitting next to a group of ladies who belonged to a rhododendron club. And they were, so, they were talking about rhododendron so excitedly and so loud that we had to move because we couldn't talk. We couldn't hear each other because they were so excited about rhododendrons. I'll tell you, people will, people will congregate around almost any interest. I mean, the World Wide Web. I mean, that's what it's made up of. I mean, Instagram following. I mean, there's the weirdest groups in the world on Instagram. People are... People are, everything you can imagine, they're having 5,000, 10,000, a million followers for this thing. So we, we crave it. We can't help it. Well, the most important group that you can join is the one dedicated to bring us, bringing the world back into fellowship with God. That's the most important group you can belong to. The one that's dedicated to bringing us back to God and securing our eternal destiny and making us the best humans we can possibly be. Ephesians chapter 2 says, So then we're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you're also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Do you, do you understand and do I understand, do we understand the positive psychological impact of knowing Christ through other Christians. Now, most of us are pretty sure now, because this has been preached um, over and over and been drilled into us, that we are saved by grace, saved by grace, you're saved by grace. We all know that. Thank God. It is, it's true. And, and we probably know the bad news, worse news, good news. You know what the bad news, worse news, good news is? Bad news is you're, you're separated and rejected from God, rejected by God. And the worst news is there's nothing you can do about it. Because God demands a perfect sacrifice. It's right in the Old Testament. He said, bring a sacrifice. It's got to be a perfect sacrifice. And you know you're flawed and imperfect. I know that I'm flawed and imperfect. So that's the worst news. And then there's the great news. That Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. That Jesus came. The great news is amazing grace. He said, well, let me read that verse to you. I was going to read it, and I almost jumped over it. When the, anyone brings a herd or flock of fellowship offering, fellowship, connection, partnership, that's what I was talking about. The Lord, to fulfill a special vow or a free will offering, it must be without defect or blemish to be acceptable. Well, I'm out on that, man. I'm done. I'm cooked. The key, the key insight that I want to bring here is in spite of the fact that you know all that stuff theologically, you know everything I've said intellectually, and you could preach it as well as I can, but it will be difficult for you to enter into the reality 
of feeling grace until, until another grace-filled human offers it to you. Forgiveness, acceptance, and redemption. In the book of Acts, they call it the right hand of fellowship. By the way, correction and rebuke, or even rebuke, is not antithetical to grace. In fact, it is, when someone loves you enough to rebuke you or correct you, it is one of the highest forms of grace. And let me tell you why. Because in the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, if you were doing something slimy, you didn't get rebuked. You didn't get counseling. You got punished. You got perhaps eliminated. So when someone rebukes you, say, thank God they're not killing me. <laughs> Correction and rebuke is an aspect of grace because I'm tired of it. I, I'm done with people who, every, if you offer them correction, you're judging me. If I was judging you, I would, I would stone you to death. <laughs> I would take you to the gallows, electric chair, whatever. I didn't go to the doctor and he said, you have cancer. I didn't say, you're judging me. I said, what can we do about it? Well, I got these three things. You can do this, this, or this. And say, so you're judging me. I, I felt that guy's my best friend. He's my only hope because he knows what's wrong with me. <laughs> so why don't you start loving people who know what's wrong with you? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> By the way, the next time you're in a conversation, don't tell me you're not. You're in a conversation. If, if, you're, if you know a lot of people here and you're real involved, right? The next time a conversation comes up where some member of the church's faults and flaws start to be talked about. It never happens here? <laughs> Come on. You never sat on your dinner, dinner table or at your golf group and talk about well, that guy... Brother Joe, he's driving me crazy. You know, of course you do it. We're human beings. But always interrupt that conversation with, thank God for grace. Aren't you glad we go to a church where there's grace and there's mercy for crazy Joe? (laughs) Jesus gave the church this unique, simple rule. Whatever you do to the least of these, brethren, you've done unto me. I want you to think about that verse for a minute. Think about what, what he just said. Because we, you know, we always talk about serving as we always talk of it as I'm being like Jesus when I serve. Which is true. I, that's true. I'm being like Jesus when I serve. But do you ever think of the fact that when you serve, you're treating the other person as though they are Jesus? Isn't that cool? So when I serve you, or you serve me, you're elevating me to the position of being like Jesus. You're treating me as though I'm the, I'm the ultimate human being when you know darn well I'm not. But it's because you understand mercy, and you understand grace, and you create in this place becomes a house of mercy and a house of grace. I love it. I love it. And I need it. I need a lot of mercy. I share it. Here's the thing. There's a long list of benefits and responsibilities. You can't 
enter into unless you belong to a church. You can't submit to church leaders if you don't have any church leaders. That's just a no-brainer, right? Uh, you can't call the elders of the church to pray over you if you don't have any elders. You can't report to the church that someone is sinning against you and won't repent if you have no church to tell it to, Matthew chapter 18. You can't experience the power of having two or three gather in his name if you don't gather. You can't follow the directive to serve with your gifts along with others who are serving with their gifts if you aren't connected. You can't obey the command to be in unity with other believers if you don't belong to a fellowship of believers. You can't live in the clear directive to live in community with other believers if you don't belong, right? Rick Warren said there are 31 New Testament callings you can't obey if you don't belong to a church. I haven't counted. But why would you want to miss out on the riches of glory in Christ Jesus that are being distributed through the church of Jesus Christ? Finally, church membership matters because people who need you need to know where to find you. Everybody in town should know. If I want to go find some people that will help me today, I need to go to 15 Cape Road on Sunday morning. And I'll find some people who will listen to me, love me, care for me, correct me if I need it, be available to me. I will do that. Many churches are out of order because they hire a pastor to do all the ministry while the congregation tries to administrate the organization. You say, Pastor, but aren't you supposed to do ministry? Listen, I've said this before, but let me say it clearly today. When I go to the hospital, which I do all the time, when I, when I uh, um, counsel, which I do all the time, when I care about people and their well-being, which I do all the time, and I will continue to do it, but not because I'm a pastor. I do that because I'm a Christian. Amen. I'm not being a pastor when I visit you in the hospital. I'm being a Christian. I'm being a minister. I am not the minister at this church. Don't call me the minister. I'm not the minister. I'm the set person that God has put here. I'm the shepherd. I'm the shepherd. I'm the set person that God has put here to guide, guard, and govern. But I am not the minister. You are the minister. You are the body of Christ. Listen to what Rick Warren said, and I respect him a lot. This is a part of, he preaches in his sermon. You think I preach a long time? He preaches 55 minutes every single time. So I'm going to do better than that right now. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to land the plane. I didn't know what I would do if a church that didn't laugh with me. I, I would just be so miserable, <laughs> you know. I think, I think, for me, laughter is so important. It's so therapeutic. Isn't it so therapeutic? You just, just laugh in a, in a world that's, I mean, I don't often break out to laughter when I read the news. <laughs> I just, you know. Okay, here's what he said. I've observed over the years churches who want to mobilize their members. We teach our people that every member is a minister, but then we take the brightest and best and turn them into bureaucrats. 
They aren't able to mobilize for ministry because they're too busy attending meetings about the budget or taking care of the building. They have no time for frontline ministry. You can drain the life out of people by scheduling a constant string of committee meetings. In fact, when I meet cantankerous and critical Christians, I usually observe they are not involved in a ministry that fits their shape, strengths, and abilities. Yet I've seen again and again that it takes that all it takes to change their attitude is to get them directly into ministry where they can see how God uses them to change lives. Here's what I want you to think about. Most churches are structured where lay people do church maintenance and the paid staff do ministry. So you end up with, say, 200 members responsible for the maintenance of the church while the pastor is supposed to do all the ministry. How stupid is that? This kind of structure will only burn out the pastor. It will keep members who God gifted to minister from being mobilized to serve. This is how we've conditioned people to think that their responsibility as a church member is fulfilled by simply voting on church business. It's easy to think. The reason I want to become a member is so I can vote on things. If you will show me voting in the Bible, I will eat this page that it's on. If you will show me a church voting on anything in the scripture, I will eat the page that, you, that it's written on. It's not there. It, so it's easy to think, I'm a member. Our members get to vote. It's easy to think that the purpose of church membership is to be served by the professional ministers. And by the way, I want to make sure I love serving you. And I'm gonna, I get to as many people as I can every week. But you can see how limited the work of God is if this one guy is, is the only one that matters when it comes to ministry. I mean, I actually heard of it, and I, I'm going to take a couple minutes, extra minutes here. I actually heard, uh, you heard this years ago, Jerry Cook was a great writer and thinker, and he talked about in his church, there was a person in the hospital that got something like 16 visits from church members. And so he did not get there to visit this lady. And he heard back, no one visited me. From the church. And what he found out is she didn't think anybody mattered except the pastor. If the pastor visited her, she was visited, and you peons with no anointing and no Holy Spirit, and Jesus doesn't live in you, and you have no gifts, God put all the gifts in Philip McCutcheon. (laughs) Well, maybe you're right. I don't know. (laughs) Whoever that is back there. I like that guy. <laughs> it's easy to think that the purpose of church membership is to be served with professional ministers. You know that. You, you agree. I, I, didn't even need, I didn't even need to preach for the last five minutes. You already knew all that stuff. It's easy to think the purpose of church membership is just to receive or be entertained in some way. And certainly there's, a, there's something to be said for, being, for enjoying a meeting or enjoying music. That's nothing wrong with that. Um. I, I was sitting with a man the other day, and uh, I don't know why he felt to tell me, but he, he goes to a different church in the area, and uh, a, a, a th- I would say a thriving church, a church that's uh, uh, popular. And he was telling me this family came to our church, this woman, and brought her children, and she, he told me the church she came from, which I wish he wouldn't have told me that. I, I finally stopped him. Uh, uh, come to this other church because they weren't being fed. I just had to stop him. I said, wait a minute. What does that mean, being fed? You go to church and being fed. I'm not being fed. I said, could it be, and I I know where she came from. 
And I know that he, the pastor there, is not as good a speaker as the church where she went. I know the music is not as good at that church as it is the church where she went. Could it be that she just enjoys She just enjoys this other place. She just enjoys this other preacher. She just enjoys this other worship team. Because nowhere in the scripture does it say that you're supposed to be dependent on your pastor to be fed. You're supposed to feed yourself. (laughs) I just lost somebody, man. I just lost somebody. You you want to go to the church where your pastor feeds you. No, my job is to take you to the pastor. My job is to take you to where the pastors are green and then leave you alone so you start feeding yourself because if this is the only word you get every week, you are emaciated spiritually and you're starving spiritually because you're supposed to be in the word every day. Right? Well, this is a great church. If you're a visitor, you hear all these amens? I'm telling you, this is a great place that I can get by with talking like this. I'm very fortunate. Ephesians 4 Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 makes it very clear that the primary purpose of church membership is for you, the primary purpose for church membership is for you to sort yourself out and figure out how you can serve others and will their highest good. There's no more noble pursuit than to combine what is ultimately best for you and ultimately best for others. There's nothing better. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. He goes on to say in verse 16, the whole body joined and held together. He didn't say if the pastor holds himself together and builds, he he will build the church up by doing his work. It didn't say that. It said the whole body joined together builds itself in the love as each part does its work. That's what it means to be a member of a church. So don't become a member if you're looking to have more time on your schedule. (laughs) Don't become a member if you're looking for a a less stressful life. (laughs) Because that's not what we're offering here. What we're offering here is purpose. What we're offering is meaning. What we're offering is you can make an eternal difference. What we're offering is you can be a partner with God in building the incredible kingdom of God that will last forever and ever. I'm so excited about it. You know what the best prayer you can pray today in closing this service? The best prayer you can pray is Jesus use me. The Jesus use me prayer is not walking or waiting till someone gives you an appointment. The Jesus use me prayer is about paying attention. Who looks like they could use a little encouragement? Who looks like they could use a little friendship? Uh, It's one thing to be a friendly church. It's another thing to be a friendship church. Who needs a prayer said for them? Who's someone who needs you to listen to them? Who can you see that's carrying a heavy load and you help them carry it? Many, many, many years ago, there there was a room in the church off the sanctuary that would get all cluttered. And every Sunday morning, in those days, I would get to the church at 5 in the morning. Now I do that at home, but in those days, I would start at 5 in the morning here on Sunday morning. And every Sunday morning, I was cleaning out that room to get it ready for church. And I was getting so angry. I was not Christ-like. One Sunday morning, I'm in that room, and I'm ticked that I'm having to clean this room again. And I'm tossing stuff into the hall to... 
It's about 5.30 in the morning, you know. And I, I'm muttering and tossing. And you, you, you can switch gears and be holy and preach. It's just, you can do that. You have to learn to do that when you're a pastor. <laughs> I hear this voice go, Pastor, are you okay? <laughs> I thought, you know, nobody's supposed to be here at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> and uh, this gentleman came and helped me. And you know, he started showing up every Sunday morning and cleaning that room. What was he doing? He was paying attention. He wasn't, he had mercy on me. He didn't judge me. He, didn't, he could have gone and told everybody, you couldn't believe the pastor. You think he's godly? <laughs> Let me tell you what, what I heard him saying. <laughs> no, that's what I mean by paying attention. Seeing somebody carrying a load and you lift it. This is what it means to be a member of the church. And this is what it really means to follow Jesus. This is a great place with so many wonderful people, and I am just blessed. I, I work for Compassion New England, and that's our the organization that our church operates to serve in this community. And there's just wonderful people that go to this church that come and serve through that, and you walk through the halls of this place during the week, and you see all kinds of people. And the thing that's even better is I know so many of you go out into your jobs and in your homes and throughout the week, you are living out your membership to the Church of Jesus Christ um, in your relationships with the people that you know. And, and maybe you're in this room today and you're thinking, I'm not really doing that. I, I, I do think of this as a, if I'm honest, if the Holy Spirit searches my heart, I think of this as a, a transactional experience. I'm a consumer of what the church is producing. I listen to a sermon, I sing a song, I maybe feel better, I check off my religious box during the week by attending here. Maybe you're disgruntled and you have, you're angry, you have, you're, have offense against people in this place. We're going to stand together and I'm going to pray for us and we're going to ask the Lord that he would renew our love for this body and this house and that he would, if, if there's something in our heart that he needs to make right, that he would make it right. That the Holy Spirit would speak to us. And maybe there's another level of action in your membership. Maybe you're not a member and you, you need to actually become a member. I would assume you're going to help us figure that out. If, if, you, if you're interested in church membership, maybe that's the next step for you. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you did not expect us to work out our faith in isolation that none of us is an island, that God, you gave us your word, which is stories of communities living out their faith, trying to serve you together, serving one another. And we just read through that book and we just see groups and groups and groups of people. And God, I pray that this group of people at 15 Cape Road in Menden, Massachusetts, those of us here in this room, those watching online, those that will be here at second service, God, that you would just search our hearts. The Holy Spirit would begin to search our hearts and help us, show us if there's anything in our hearts that offends you as it relates to our church membership, as it relates to our idea as a community. God, I pray that we would begin to 
really see how our church membership affects how we drive, how we go to work, how we call one another, who we invite over for dinner, and God, that we would be a, a people who belong to you, one body, one family that's serving each other, and that we are, are thinking of adding to our membership every day because we want to connect people with the love of God. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.